Hi everybody, I'm the boy from the Law School Podcast, that's L-O-R-E. This is a podcast where real medical professionals discuss fake medical emergencies. So that means that unless you have a nasty rash in your moustache from doing the Monster Mash, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi everybody, I'm Jackson Bay. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as A Feast for Joes, a deep dive into all of Joanna Robinson's podcasts. It's a joke for like three people to listen. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about hot tubs. <laughs> uh, this is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. With us once again is Dr. Greg Winter. Hi, everybody. I love it. Uh, Jackson, what are we talking about this week? Um, oh, wait. First, you can find this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at HiEverybodyMD and on HiEverybodyMD.com. So we're doing a special episode because... Well, can they give us a call? Oh yeah, they can call us at 530-DOCTORP. <laughs> it's been a while because I was really sick last week. Yeah, uh, the B stands for Bubble Boy, which is not the episode we're discussing this no, week. No, because we were trying to figure out what episode that was and Greg here decided to guess Season 3, Episode 15, which turned of out... Seinfeld. Of Seinfeld, which turned out to be an episode called The Suicide, which... It was a pretty good one, Yeah, I will say. It was one of the funnier episodes that I did not expect to be so damn funny. Yeah. It, it was an unexpected episode full of a lot of medical stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, so premise of the episode is... Uh, There's a couple Jerry's, plots. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's Seinfeld. There's multiple plots. Uh, main one, medically, is that uh, Jerry is semi-flirting with his neighbor... His neighbor's girlfriend, rather, uh, and he, the neighbor gets so upset that he attempts to commit suicide by taking a bunch of pills, goes into a coma, and Jerry debates whether or not it's... Comatic. Yeah. And whether it's ethical to make out in, like, that first 45 minutes of the coma. Yes. I think it, in the interest of being um, sensitive to people, we're not going to talk about suicide, but we're no. going to talk about the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the consequences of what happened. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't know exactly what pills he took that led him to <laughs> What this? kind of pills? What kind of drugs, Denny? What kind of drugs? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it matters a great deal. <laughs> if you watch The Room, you will understand what that means. But we don't know what pills he took. And he ended up in probably the softest coma I've ever seen, where he just lies in bed and it looks like a heavy nap more than anything. Um, I noticed all of the various life support equipment yeah. and monitoring equipment they had on him, which was none. Well, there was an IV bag. There was an IV bag. That was not connected. And they did have... They, that's right, he did not have an IV line in. And they did have a cardiac monitor in behind him. I noticed that it was... The rate was 60, Always. but also the the actual cardiac um, tracing was significantly faster than 60. Yes. I Which like is a weird thing. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you used the proper term because I was going to say the cardiac BP thing was not right. <laughs> yeah. Because cardiac BP thing is the opening to actually it's a pulse ox. Is the opening beeps. <laughs> not always. According to the sound effects, the opening beeps that... Oh, for us. Yeah, for oh. us. Yeah, well, cardiac BP, cardiac, <laughs> cardiac BP thing's a way to go. But it depends on what he took, right? Like, as a person who deals with a lot of like overdoses or ingestions, if it, if it was like Tylenol, he wouldn't be in a coma. If it he, was, yeah, if it was Tylenol, he'd be awake and miserable. He'd be throwing up a lot. Um, but then it would be not pretty. Right. Um, if he took like benzos or like opiates or anything like that, he wouldn't be breathing really well. That wouldn't make sense either. So this is just a general vague. Took a lot of pills of some sort. If he took a lot of cough medicine, he'd go crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the other one that I see too. The triple C, the Skittles, you ah. could say. 
Um, kids love doing that one. That's I, real popular. I've heard... I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say he probably took Tums. <laughs> Those are calcium chews. They're delicious. And they also make your tummy hurt. If you eat enough of them, it will actually constipate you and make your tummy hurt real bad. Noted. So bad that he went into a coma. Yeah. Tums coma. Yeah. But yeah, he was not plugged into anything. So there's no way to monitor him. And Greg probably deals with comas more than I do. Uh, a coma is a specific type of... of uh, Unconsciousness? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's irresponsible that we didn't sit down and look up what that actually means. But... I don't think I, I... I deal with people at the end of life and people that are pretty sick, but I, most of the time they're not in a coma. Most of the time they're more um, sort of delirious or uh, they're under the... I, I mean, delirious is the right word. If they're under the, in, the, the effects of other types of medication, some of their side effects like sedation and um, hallucinations and uh, things like that. But that's, that's very different. You wouldn't say that's, that's a... A coma. Mm-hmm. Like coma itself is like in like vague general terms, it's anytime you've been unconscious for a really long time. And that unconsciousness can mean that you're not responding to like pain, you're not responding to light, you're not responding to people talking to you. Um, and then these patients also might not be able to control their breathing really well or just maintain normal things that would keep you alive. Like we have the Glasgow Coma Score, which kind of gives you a grade on how, oh, yeah, we discussed that on yeah, another so episode. How coma-y are you? <laughs> and usually less than eight means you probably need someone to support your breathing, so that's when you get a tube down your throat to help you breathe. And looking at him, he probably was less than eight <laughs> because Jerry was allegedly having sex with Gina. Not in the room. I that, mean, they just kissed over his body. Yeah. So they didn't kiss over his body. So he did not respond to verbal stimuli. <laughs> right. Okay. He clearly didn't open his eye spontaneously right. to look at that. Nor did he open to sound, because mm-hmm. there was probably a good amount of sound. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, like, physically contacting him, too. They were shaking him and... Yep. So he wasn't responding to touch either. So where on the Glasgow Coma Scale is uh, the medical support you need is an IV bag in the same room? Anything more than eight, really. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's also a function of time. So, in general, you know, if you get knocked unconscious, you're technically in a coma, but a lot of people bonk their head and they're okay in a few, well, not okay in a few minutes, but they start, they start to regain their consciousness in a few minutes. And I think jumping ahead, you know, once you recover from your coma, you're not going to jump up right away to kill the guy who was sleeping with your wife. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. Actually, that's, that's a good point. For every sort of day you spend in bed, the rule of thumb is you have three days of recovery. So... Your he body had at least starts three days because of Elaine's fast. Right, you you get weaker. Mm-hmm. You're not um, if you're not using your muscles, you just sort of begin to deteriorate. And so, kind of, no matter what would happen, if you woke up, you would you would be feeling those effects. It, it's when you like sleep too much, you, you went over that critical amount of oh man, now I'm even more tired than I, when I went to bed in the first place. So you're telling me this coma was a very deep nap. <laughs> but he'd have like the noodliest arms trying to swing at Jerry like he wouldn't be able to resist and Newman is a jerk <laughs> he'd sell anyone out for a was it coffee cake he, uh, he anti sold somebody out this is sort of like beginning of very classic Seinfeld stuff so the beginning he's got his little stand up routine and they also let it go it's not like 10 second sound bite he's got you know he, he's got a, a minute and a half joke in there and he's talking about the hearing testing at school. And I used to do that same... I used to try to listen so yeah. Oh, yeah, you want to do so well at that school. I wanted to be the most yeah. perfect person. And, I, want... I mean, 
whatever. Seinfeld's one of my favorite comedians, and it was just a hilarious thing to just like, oh, that's right. I used to do. That. I used to be sitting there just trying to hear so hard because because you might be an X Man, right? <laughs> I feel so left out because we never did that in my school. We did that. We did eye tests with the different pointing E's. I felt real left out with that eye test one because I was <laughs> real blind as a child. Yeah, I uh, I would always have somebody put the cover up. They always cover up your left eye first, and I do great. <laughs> I do wonderful on that first one. Like, come on, now and, that now that your right eye is uh yeah. is is covered, just tell me which way is the E facing. Yeah. Just like, you bastards. <laughs> Foiled again. Uh, so I never did that test. So, but I did think it was funny how he wanted to be superhuman. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. That's all our secret goals. It was also like the weird thing when someone didn't do well on that test, and they, I mean, teachers that are admit. Well, it's always it was like sort of a a mid level health professional, so like a school nurse or somebody, mm-hmm. and so that person there would be no like. There's no HIPAA then. They're just like... Look at uh, that deaf kid. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, go sit over on the side real yeah. fast. We, yeah. we got to do some follow-up. Hey, hey Deffy, go over there. If, if we have a school nurse to bring on for the Simpsons episode where Bart gets the prescription <laughs> shoes... Oh, and the, <laughs> the salve to make his voice sound yeah. weird, the hair and the glasses. Yep. Or when um, they have a little bit of grease. Yeah. Can we talk about... <laughs> I, I, I think a good transition here. I, well, well, I've got more coma Oh, questions. let's go coma stuff. Um, so, how easy would it be in an actual hospital environment to have a why-didn't-you-hit-on-me conversation uh, in the first three hours that you're in the hospital in a coma? Like, how how much alone time would that's, they have had actually, in the that's, that's actually a good observation, because he uh, has this event... They get him to the hospital, and th- this is the busiest time that you would be in the hospital. I mean, yeah. this is when people are running all types of tests. You would be in the emergency room. You'd probably like be getting serial blood uh, blood draws to see if you have changes in your um, changes in your liver, your electrolytes. Yeah. Especially if Jackson's an ER doctor, he knows what they do. Figuring out what drug he took. Figuring out right, collecting his pee. Yeah, yeah, so and, and so you don't see any of that, but also this is very very early on. I mean, yeah. Jerry's there at the time of inge- ingestion, and so it's unrealistic that they're sort of not in an ER environment, that they're admitted to the hospital already, so and that they're it's quiet. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like he's stable, and no we one, didn't see a single doctor right, in that room. I will add this too because Gina found him down. Right. So if that's the case, we don't know how long he's been down for. He dead. I mean, he's not. It's just there. This is so early in the process that we'd be seeing a lot more activity. It's unrealistic that they would have any quiet time. There'd probably be a lot of Poking a lot out. of flurrying and and happenings going around. Um, and so when he does wake up, you said three day. You know, a three day recovery for one day down. Mm-hmm. Um, they make jokes about you know, yeah, all your stuff's gonna be gone, looters. <laughs> and. and I mean, that's a part of medical, right? Like, just because just you got sick, everyone else's life doesn't stop. Your yeah. landlord wants to make rent. Your your dog needs to get fed. And those are those are things that... Other people need to handle. Other people need to handle. And often, um, people do not consider that. They, they have things in place for some catastrophic thing that happens, but maybe not so much for just... Yeah, we, we have our earthquake preparedness kits, right. but we don't have... 
somebody like, feed I was the dog. in a car accident. Yeah. Right. I mean, what happened? Like, who's gonna feed your dog right. or cat if you were in a car accident? Um, and that's part of the like. I mean, yeah, maybe people are gonna go to your house and take it and get their stuff back. And I will say this: like in medically stressful times, people act real weird. It's very true. So they'll like start discussing like really random, not appropriate stuff. That's at least not appropriate for the situation. So like arguing about who's gonna pay the bill or how this person's such a horrible person and kicks them out of the house or something like that. Like you'll see very um, varied. Kind of expression. You know, stress is stressful. Yeah. And people deal with that in different ways. Yeah. So uh, we see that quite a bit. Was he John Popper from Blue Traveler? <laughs> he, 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 had, he had a similar body habitus. So I'll give you that. <laughs> he needed more feathers in his hat. That's true. <laughs> and a heart. Oh, man. <laughs> a harmonica? <laughs> it was be a great harmonica joke, and I swallowed it. <laughs> it's not it's that's not how you check it. his breathing yeah you put a harmonica in front of his face to see if he's still alive <laughs> boop oh he's still good you don't need a tube of yet um I was so, gonna say we were gonna transition with just to the to the subplot number one well I was gonna talk about weird looking children oh okay <laughs> Um, so and my weird-looking children transition was the smoking psychic. Yeah, so uh, George went to a psychic to determine whether or not he wanted he should go to the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the psychic was pregnant and smoking, which is not a good thing. Probably, if there's any meaningful piece of advice to come out of us making fun of things together, it's that you shouldn't smoke. Not medical <laughs> advice, except no, you should just. Not smoke. It's a bad, bad thing for you. It's expensive. It, it smells bad. It causes you to get coronavirus. In a medical, in a medical show, it affects every organ in your body, and it affects it adversely. Not a good thing to do. Even the baby. And I mean, Elaine gives good medical advice. Where if you're smoking or if you're pregnant, you definitely shouldn't smoke. It causes. Your, I can. I can stand behind that. It causes your other child to continually pick her nose all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Well, I mean. Just, the, She's collecting all that secondhand smoke in, in in her nasal hairs. Yeah, I mean, it causes... I just was trying to check. was like, it causes preterm birth. We don't know when that lady was doing. Right. Low birth weight. Um, it also causes, like, the placenta to not stick to the uterus really well and can kind of come off, too. So, it, all, all the bad things that can happen before you're born are increased by smoking. But that fetus is 30% cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Than if the baby didn't smoke. Oh man, that's so terrible. Not a smoking podcast. But um, this podcast brought to you by Chesterfields. Chats. It's good for your T zone. <laughs> but he does go with her to give birth. Like she gives birth later in the episode. Right. And and George gives another accurate piece of medical advice. He helped someone give birth and didn't realize it was going to be so disgusting. I think he used the terms. It was quite disgusting. It was quite disgusting. Do you remember your OB rotation? Uh, oh, you I, did it. I'm family medicine, so we had to deliver a lot of babies. Um, I delivered less than most people, as a like nobody wants a strange dude delivering their babies. So. Uh-uh. Uh But I delivered my share, and it's kind of gross, and things get weird. Like it's smellier than you think. I feel like modern television, as opposed to '90s television, is more willing to talk about how much people poop. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot more poop than you think. Also, there's a lot of ripping and tearing. I, I also want to, like, 
oh no, it's a beautiful process and it's part of life and, and everyone should sort of experience it, but also like it's a body orifice and things are being pushed and squeezed out of it and it's gross. But life is not pretty. Right. Life is not pretty. Gross stuff happens and you got to deal with it. And part of it is learning how to deal with gross. So I'll say George Costanza's um, insight is very... It's what George Costanza would say. (laughs) I remember my first time doing it. I remember it. I walked out and I said, yep, not going to do this as a job. (laughs) Not going to be an OB. Nope. Going to handle that baby after delivery. Not in the, the... Antipartum. Or I, I love the my rotations. That's that was my first one, and I wanted to do that because it was a, a little bit of surgery, and you're getting your hands dirty. Yeah, you and do. And then I was I'm fine. I was fine with it after the month. <laughs> the closest thing I have is I went to Catholic school, so we <laughs> learned about how you're not supposed your to make babies dirty. ever. Oh no, they show, they show video of live. <laughs> they show video of live births, you know, in your sex ed class as a abstinence. And how many encouraging you have to say afterward? Oh, yeah. Because you saw a vagina on TV. That's the one time it's okay. It's when it's trying to scare you away from them. So many Hail Marys. So many. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying away from that. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. Same seats. <laughs> I see we all turned out super Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my favorite plot in this whole episode is just Elaine's overall fasting shenanigans. Yeah, Elaine is fasting because she's having an x-ray for an ulcer. Yes. And so she does a three-day fast. So normally we don't just do an x-ray for an ulcer. I mean, there are certain things like a barium swallow where you essentially swallow liquid metal Mm -hmm. and then it lights, it kind of makes a a contour, kind of like a... It turns your your guts into an EDM show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It depends on how fast you're pulsating that. Uh... Like you know those, you know those Pepto Bismol commercials where you see them drinking the That's medicine, a good way to and do it okay. coats your esophagus and then your stomach. Okay. It's essentially the same thing, except they use a live X-ray, and then it, if there's an ulcer or anything like that, you'll see like a little divot, yeah. and that'll tell. Won't you. be a nice smooth line. You'll see kind of a little bump in there. Yeah. Okay. So if you can imagine that Pepto Bismol commercial, except in real life. I'm actually just imagining uh, adamantium, liquid adamantium in X-Men 2. Also that one. Yeah, but that only goes on your skeleton, your bones, so this is different. This no, because like he shows the tube like down her throat, and she gets like... Yeah. Esophagus or trachea? Esophagus, probably. Sorry, I got confused with the Beer Fest <laughs> one where they shove it up his nose and just like drops him through the nose. There's adamantium in Beer Fest? No, just beer. Okay. <laughs> um... That's what I was thinking about when you said that part. Um, but that was a beautifully stopped table slam. I That's the thing I'm most impressed with. <laughs> that almost turned into a little snap and erase there. Uh, but fasting for three days, is that a little excessive? That's significantly excessive. If people are fasting for a procedure, normally it won't be more than 24 hours. It's usually even less than that, than that at this point. But, like, especially for, like, an elective surgery or something, they'll say to fast for 24 hours. And the purpose of that, I know, for surgeries is to keep you from... Throwing up. Throwing, throwing up, yeah. At, 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 it's purely for convenience of that. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same way for, for doing these x-rays? I mean, here's the only thing is that if you did have food in your stomach and you did a barium swallow, your, the food might interfere with the contour. So you'd, like, you'd, you'd, you'd have, like, guts, 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 pizza, guts, guts, guts. Potentially. Um, so that's like the one concern, but 
three days is pretty long. Like, 24 hours is understandable. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, these days, we don't really do that. If you want to test for ulcers, one of the easiest, fast ways is just checking someone's poop. Uh, for at least a certain, like, a that's, certain bacterial yeah, that's, antigen. That's... The most uh, common screening. Person. I mean, but in general, like that's part of what you do when you have something going on. You have screening tests, which are usually very easy to do. They're not invasive. You don't have to do. It doesn't require a lot from the patient, and so I mean, the first thing is you, either you're checking poop for the antigen or you just check poop for blood. It's yeah, kind of step one. I mean, that is the answer that you learn on scrubs: is you always check the poop. Yeah, and that's I mean, if you go to the ER and you are above eighteen, you're probably getting a rectal exam. Yeah. And a poop test. As many patients have told me, rectal tests make you gay. <laughs> I had to explain to them very gently that it is not how it works, but they are still very adamant that we don't do that test. And in the ER, you do get that, especially in the adult side, quite a bit. And that's a weird thing about medicine is people people want to tailor it for themselves, but in truth, there is. It's an algorithm that we're going through so that we can get to the bottom of a problem. You can't, you don't, you don't sort of... You don't go from A to C without stopping at B. Right. So there, there's a, there's things that you're doing when you come into the, the doctor's office or especially in the emergency room. It's the, the thought is, hey, you needed to come in and get checked for a life-threatening thing that's happening. We gotta... You check everything. We check everything. Which is very fun when you have a family who said they've done their research and tell you exactly what test to do <laughs> and i go mm -mm. and then they said well if we go somewhere else they'll do it and i just go okay 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 You're... you came to the pediatric yeah. hospital sharp is just down the street they're not gonna treat them they're gonna send them back to the hospital my patients are very grateful to see me and they rarely ask me to do anything <laughs> so jealous I'm guessing you don't have a, you know, one more for old time's sake sort of. <laughs> no. <laughs> one last rectal. Although I do I do my fair share of rectal exams because one of the things that happens in... One last wrong? Well, one of the things that happens in hospice is people are on high-dose opioids, which slows down your um, intestines, and people get pretty constipated, and you get kind of nonspecific abdominal complaints, and we are going to do things... Like, I'm not going to take you for surgery. I'm not going to check and see if you have a crazy infection or something. But if you're constipated, that's that's something that I can fix at the bedside, and so we do. I I do rectal exams to see if you run into a wall. Yeah, so, so I have done manual disimpactions many times. Don't miss that. <laughs> Don't miss that at all. Part of the job. It's fine. I mean, you know what you signed up for when you did it. Exactly. Um, going back to it, I've never seen a person so hypoglycemic that they go into a trance and hallucinate. <laughs> That's true. Oh, that's right. That's Elaine's kind of reaction. Yeah, she's, yeah. And, she's essentially like picturing walking chicken legs. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen people real confused from that yes. or also Season. not able to wake up or also just, <laughs> and that's part of the workups for those things is making sure that, you know, it's, it's just not something that's simple and correctable. Um, it's sort of, I mean, that's probably how... Elaine would be acting after three days of not eating. You would be confused and weirded out, and yeah. also I feel like she just wouldn't be moving. <laughs> she wasn't for that first the the first like minute of that shot in the hospital where she was, she was just, just staring just off slack jawed. I wonder was she like not allowed to drink too? She looked she looked a little disheveled. Yeah, if if she was not allowed to drink, there would be diff She would look 
horrible. I, yeah, I would think three days not eating or drinking, yeah. like, that's, that would be an IV situation, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, that's something I get asked commonly about, sort of, prognosis when people are at the end of life, and people are always always asking things like, oh, you know, they haven't eaten for a week, How? what, what are we supposed to do? And and actually, that's not a big deal if you don't, if you don't it's eat. It's the drinking. The water is the big thing, and um, all the textbooks say you get about seven days with no water. If you were in a more harsh environment, it would be less than that. Um, but without getting into a whole bunch of hospice stuff, talking about eating and drinking, if we're just talking about a normal, healthy person that's not drinking anymore, then five to seven days you could probably live without water. You would be miserable for most of that time. Yeah, sure. she'd be halfway there already. Yeah. She'd be dizzy, she'd be really... Elaine. Think about if you go like a few hours without drinking yeah. any water. You're pretty miserable. Would I want to know how do we know if the dog food tastes good? Who tastes it? Yeah. <laughs> I like, I really, it's, it's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good line. But yeah, I don't think you, so I guess the moral is you shouldn't be going three days NPO before any kind of test. Like, it's that just would, that's kind of, sort of a ridiculous thing. Like, if anybody was going to be that long, they would be checking electrolytes and doing a whole lot of it's other like stuff. It's like doing a bowel clean out three days in a row before your colonoscopy. Right. And even that's only 24 hours. And yeah. You're... You don't need that much go lightly to go heavily and get all the poop out. <laughs> go lightly does not make you go lightly. Is that what the... So that's what it's called. The cleanser the is? Yeah, it's called go lightly. That's just blatant false advertising. <laughs> it's supposed to be good for like balancing your electrolytes so you don't lose a lot of electrolytes when you... Clean. I had a colonoscopy this year that it was not fun. Oh, you man. went you went quite heavily. Yeah, I mean, and it's part of the instructions are this. Um, it's a whole uh, hey, you can have a clear liquid diet, okay. but that's not a thing. Like in the hospital, yeah, 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 you can just write clear, but you can't. It's broth. You can't jello. buy any of that stuff. Like, there's no clear liquid broth. That's not a. That's not a thing. Broth, Jello, vodka. I was actually thinking as I was going through it that this is a this is like a business idea. Like, hey, you can have an outpatient medical diet to help people going through their procedures. You can call it a cleanse. <laughs> a clear cleanse. Oh man, oh, that, that we're hitting Scientology and goop. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you're onto something there. I don't think well. You know what? I am onto something, and if somebody else tries to make this idea, it was mine first. Uh, We've got it on on record. Patent pending. Patent pending. Uh, I know a patent. Hi, everybody. A Bad Medicine Podcast brought to you by Clear Cleanse. (laughs) (laughs) And Chesterfields. Uh, Also Chesterfields. They've got the tar that makes it good. So. Yeah. Um, With that, I mean, I've got an important question. I think we kind of talked about about it as we went along, but uh, if we're going to make... Seinfeld season three episode fourteen, uh, fifteen, 15? Uh, aka this, Greg's random episode. Yeah, a, a, Greg, Greg's picked out of a hat episode. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna bite that us. Worked out. Some uh, well, if um, at some point you're gonna name the episode of the contest, and we're like, we can't do this. Yeah, we can't do that's an entirely different podcast. Um, There's but, an important lesson about sexuality in the contest. <laughs> I'm out <laughs> that week. Uh, uh, but if we're going to make this episode more medically accurate, is there a way we would, we would do so? Just uh, make the coma look more accurate. 
And even having Elaine not eat for 24 hours isn't going to do it. I mean, she'll still be pretty cranky because it's Elaine. She gets cranky over the smallest shit. Uh, either things. I mean, I've also seen patients that are in a coma that looks like that, but it's not that soon after them being uh-huh. in a coma. So either that, that's this has to be further along in this process, or and or I, he was just napping. Yeah, and I agree with Greg. Like more hubbubaloo in the beginning with more people going through is probably an important thing too. I mean that's right for comedy right there. Like a doctor walking in to see Gina and Jerry doing stuff. not quite kissing. Yeah, and then you don't have Newman there. Yeah. I'm not a Newman guy. I feel like Dr. Spachemin needed to be in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he would have needs to be in more episodes yeah. of anything. Yeah. He is the fine, one of the finest doctors on television. Uh, other than our patron saint, Dr. Nick. I mean, yeah, he's like right there. So. Um, so, if the human centipede. If the human centipede. Centipede? Centipede. <laughs> centipede. Uh, it's when you put three three Priuses together. I want to snap for you and I just. <laughs> now, I'm going to leave that one in. your own stuff. Um, no. If the human centipede. <laughs> okay. If the human centipede builds itself as 100% medically accurate, how medically accurate is uh, season blank, episode blank? The season suicide. 3, episode 15 of uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. The suicide. So this is more accurate than the human centipede. Okay. I th- yes. Because I don't believe. The- right. I go through this thought process every time. I a human centipede is not 100% medically no, accurate. No, but it is our baseline. But it is our baseline. <laughs> I will say it's on par with the human centipede. I will say it's 100%. Only because... It's more than that. It's You think the, ne- the neglecting of some of the, the comatose kind of stuff, like with the... There was I mean, more that's... medical equipment actually being used in the human centipede. Yeah, but having medical equipment doesn't make it better. <laughs> right, like... It, but also, we don't know what kind of overdose or anything like that, too. I just... You know what, that's... Your assessment is probably the right way to do it. It's about as accurate. Yeah. Okay. It's, so it's 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> According to our highly scientific methodology. Um, follow-up question. If a psychic told you not to go to the Cayman Islands, but you had tickets for that weekend, would you stay or would you go? That sounds like a fun weekend. Yeah. I'd go to the Cayman Islands. And I've, I haven't stepped on a jellyfish, but I have stepped on a sea urchin, and I would have been fine with that for the other four days of that vacation. All it right. sounds like he made some good personal connections that are going to last him a lifetime. And I'm going to agree with Elaine. Why are you taking advice from a lady who's smoking <laughs> right, while exactly. pregnant? Can she see in the future how many disabilities her baby's going to have? <laughs> Like, there's no way I would take any recommendations from that psychic, let alone any psychic. Uh, noted. Uh, so we're not going to have Cleo sponsoring next week's episode. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, died? Miss Cleo? I'm pretty sure she did. I don't think she did. No. Does she think she did? That's the real question. <laughs> I don't know. Did she see that coming? Alright, well, I'm going to be pushing for Coma Month. Oh, uh, she did. Coma March. Oh, she did? Oh, she did. Uh, she died in 2016. R.I.P. Oh, Miss Cleo. Man. Poor Can't call her now for her free, for your free reading. No, but you could have gotten one five years she ago. She died at 53? Wait, that oh, means that she no. was like 30 when we saw her on... She it... didn't see it coming. <sighs> There's no way she would... So she was 30, like, because this would have been on around the same time. Man. Yeah. That's a good way well, to end this episode. Yeah. Way to bring up psychics. Yup. Uh... <laughs> 
I don't know. If we see a psychic, we'll talk about it next week. Otherwise, we'll just be back to talk about more bad medicine. If a psychic uh, is hearing this, can you tell us our next weekend? Yeah. Uh, if you, if a psychic's listening to this now, please call us yesterday at 530-DOCTOR. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks.